Hey, SEF Student Ministry, Devin here bringing you week two uh, of our Back to the Future series that we're doing. Uh, we're talking about how traveling between the past and the present can help change the future. Uh, and since we're talking about tri- time travel, I just want you to think to yourself at home, what is your favorite movie about time travel? I know one of mine is a newer one, um, but I really like Marvel movies and Doctor Strange is one of my favorite time travel movies. Um, so, I mean, if you haven't seen it, Dr. Strange is a narcissistic neurosurgeon who destroys his hands in a horrible car accident, but his hands are everything to him. The key to his success, money, fame, and sense of identity as a famous surgeon. So Dr. Strange goes on a journey to find someone called the ancient one who hopes he can help him rebuild his hands and the life he lost. Instead, he discovers there's more to his journey than just restoring his hands. There's a lot more to this chapter of his life, right? Um, this moment is Dr. Strange's first, but not last. If you if you know the movie, there's a scene where Dr. Strange first experiences the power of the ancient one in the movie, right? Um, and while his journey began because he wanted to save his hands and rebuild his old life, Dr. Strange ultimately makes it his mission to save and rebuild something that's much bigger than himself, um, right? There's a, there's a lot to unpack with that. Um, it's pretty fat, pretty satisfying, I think, to rebuild something or build something in the first place but um taking something that has fallen apart and rebuilding it i find that super satisfying it's fun to work on projects like that um but is there anything in your life that you wish you could see rebuilt not just like a physical object but is there anything else maybe your local like a swimming pool or a park was replaced by a new building project Maybe you had like some Lego creation that got destroyed by a sibling or a family member or cousin, whatever it might be. Maybe your favorite amusement park closed down and now it's just abandoned. Maybe there's a place in town where you made some great memories and it's under new ownership and it looks nothing like it used to. Um, if time travel were real, I think we could all think of something we'd like to see rebuilt or restored. And it could be a physical relation or maybe it's a relationship an experience, an opportunity, or the way things used to be. Um, I mean, I can think about, uh, I, I, I'm sure that we can think of, we know people, right, that have had relationships that have broken down and we wish we could go back and rebuild those things. Um, an opportunity or rebuild life as, as you know it. Um, think of something that maybe was destroyed and what that experience was like. We know, um, we, we have people that would go back and, and it would be curious to ask them, right, what, what they could do or what they would do if they could turn back time and go do that. What would they do differently in those situations of something that they want to rebuild? How could you really build what was destroyed? I mean, when something goes wrong, our minds go to all the ways that these things can be made right again. And it's natural to want to see things rebuilt after they've been destroyed. Because when you read the Bible, you might be surprised how many passages of Scripture are about really construction projects. I mean, there are verses upon verses giving dimensions, details, and descriptions of physical buildings. Um, And most notably, the temple is what gets destroyed. God gives the people of Israel detailed instructions for building a temple of worship. Uh, When God's people finally finally build the temple, it's a huge reason to celebrate. And when the temple was destroyed, it was a source of extreme grief, anguish, fear, and doubt for those people. I mean, seeing the temple rebuilt became a frequent and extremely important prayer 
for God's people. They were desperate for the temple to be rebuilt and spent centuries praying, hoping, and waiting for that day to come. I mean, this might be confusing to us now. Why the obsession with the temple? What's the big deal with that? It's not like God literally lived there, right? But So why did rebuilding this building matter so much? Um, and like we did last week, we're going to do a little bit of time traveling in order to answer that question. We're going to look back to the time of Jesus and then go back even further to find out why these words from the past matter so much today and have the potential to change the future for us. If you have time later, it's it would be good for you guys to look at, there's a small section from, it's a video called Temple from the Bible Project. Um, it, it explains a little bit of the importance of that, right? So I think it'll be helpful to explain that if you're curious or want to hear more about the temple specifically. Uh, but when Jesus came into the world, people were looking for a Messiah who could rebuild what had been destroyed physically by rebuilding the temple and spiritually by really rebuilding the relationship between people and God. And when Jesus began his ministry on earth, he announced that he had come to set people free, both physically and spiritually, but that's not all he came to do. As early in Jesus' ministry, he made, he made another shocking and confusing declaration to the people of the time. So we're going to look in John chapter 2. Uh, John chapter 2, verses 12 through 21. I'm going to read those if you want to follow along. Uh, After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts Both sheep and cattle, he scattered the coins and the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. So what's going on and all this craziness that's happening, right? Jesus, a faithful Jewish man and teacher, seems to be destroying the temple God's people held so sacred. At least they said they held it sacred. When Jesus sees what was happening in the temple, he's angered by it. He's upset. You might wonder, so would Jesus be mad about a church that maybe sells coffee or books or pizza, maybe, but maybe not. Uh, I mean, you see, it wasn't just the fact that things were being sold that made Jesus angry. He was angry because people were taking or they were being taken advantage of, and especially those in most in the most need. The money changers and sellers in the temple that day weren't trying to help people worship. They were there only to make a profit, and they did so by targeting people who had traveled a long distance to worship and charged extremely high prices simply because they could. Not only were those people taking advantage of others, but they were doing so in the name of God. So Jesus gets creative by making a homemade whip. He drives out the animals that were being bought and sold. He flips tables. He makes a big scene out of this. And of course, the religious leaders that are there panic. They can't believe he's being so disruptive with everything. But when they question his authority, Jesus says something both scandalous and confusing to them. Jesus points to the sacred building for the past and redefines it in the present. 
He says, this isn't the temple. I am. Then he points toward the future and says, someday you're going to destroy me, but I'll be rebuilt. And in the past, the temple was the place where people could connect with God. In the future, Jesus was declaring that he would be the source of connection between God and humankind. Jesus knew what was written in scripture long before he walked on earth. He knew, and so did the religious leaders who opposed him, about the prophet Jeremiah who wrote this. And we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 31. So Jeremiah 31 verses 1 through 4. At that time, declared this the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they will be my people. This is what the Lord says. The people who survive the sword will find favor in the wilderness. I will come to give rest to Israel. The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I will build you up again, and you virgin Israel will be rebuilt. Again, you will take up your timbrels and go out to dance with the joyful. Jeremiah didn't know exactly what God had in store, but he knew that one day God would rebuild what had been destroyed based on this promise that was given to him. The people of Jesus' day thought this meant the temple building would be rebuilt and the nation of Israel would grow in power and influence, but that's not the plan that God was going with. It was not what he had intended. Jesus knew without him, humanity would always be pulled toward evil, corruption, and injustice, and not even the temple was safe from our sin. But Jesus had a permanent solution. He had a plan to rebuild everything that had been destroyed and to rebuild it once and for all. When Jesus said he would raise his body from the dead, he wasn't only talking about himself, but he's talking about us as well because his resurrection from the dead is going to rebuild the relationship between humanity and God that had been destroyed. Uh, He gives us the opportunity to rebuild our relationship with God and find freedom from sin. And he invites us to join Jesus on his mission to rebuild the things that are broken in the world around us, which is most things around us. And although the uh, authors of the Old Testament don't know what God had in store through Jesus, they knew God had a plan to rebuild what had been destroyed. And you can hear their hopefulness in these words from the past. and we can see those words in Psalms, uh, if if we bo- turn to that book, um, we're going to be at Psalms chapter 147, towards the end of the book of Psalms, verses 1 through 3, it says, How good is it, it is to sing praises to our God, how pleasant and fitting to praise Him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem, He gathers the exiles of Israel, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Jesus didn't come to rebuild a building that could one day be destroyed again. He came to rebuild our broken connection with God. He came to tear down systems of injustice so a more just world could be created. And Jesus came to rebuild what had been destroyed. I don't know how you need Jesus to rebuild things in your life right now, but I know there's something. Maybe you need him to rebuild your relationship with God. Maybe it's someone else's relationship with God. Maybe it's your relationship with someone you love. Maybe something in your life that feels broken or something in the world that's unjust. No matter what feels destroyed, the love of Jesus can rebuild it. I mean, think about, uh, there's a song, it's called Turning Over Tables by the Brilliance. I encourage you to, to listen to that song and really reflect on the words that stand out to you and what these words invite you to do. Maybe there's tables that you need Jesus to turn over in your life. 
Um, maybe you can think about what tables you could help turn over for someone else. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed by the things in us or around us that seem destroyed, but Jesus never leaves us without hope. Like we read in Jeremiah, God's love is an everlasting and unfailing love that can rebuild what has been destroyed. Let's take some time to think of the things that we need Jesus to rebuild or that we can help rebuild in Jesus' name. I mean, we should reflect on that kind of stuff all the time, right? I mean, whether it's you that feels broken or the world you live in, Jesus really can rebuild things that have been destroyed. Things might never look the way they did before they fell apart, but that's okay. Maybe Jesus doesn't want to build more of the same. Maybe he wants to build something brand new, something better than you even thought possible. Remember, God's people prayed for a new temple, but Jesus came to give us something much bigger. Something. Uh, sometimes things need to be destroyed before they can be rebuilt. And especially when it comes to issues of injustice, tables need to be turned and unjust systems need to be torn down before something just and righteous can be built. Jesus' mission is to rebuild what has been destroyed. And if Jesus you know and if the Jesus you know, um, Jesus, his mission becomes your mission. If you're learning how to follow Jesus and live like him, then maybe your next step is to make his mission your own. Jesus can rebuild what has been destroyed, and we can help rebuild what's been destroyed in Jesus' name. So what will you do? What will you ask Jesus to rebuild? And what will you help Jesus rebuild? These are, these are all questions that we can ask and reflect on this week. I hope that you guys are able to do that. And if you have questions, feel free to send me a text or a message on social media, whatever it might be. Um, I'm happy to help answer questions or talk through things with you guys. And I'll see you next time.